Westford on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. And so the excitement is building. We have been here before when we have had all of these expectations in Rugby World Cups. But there's an enormous expectation ahead of tomorrow's game against the defending world champions, South Africa. So important for getting to the quarterfinal stage, but also for dictating who it is we're more likely to play in the quarterfinals. So to look forward to the game, Liam Tolan will be with us in a little while, but we're joined by former Munster star Duncan Casey and also by Matt Williams, of course, our regular analyst. And Matt, just how important is tomorrow night's game? Because we were not out of the World Cup if we lose it, but if we drop the momentum that we've developed in winning the last, whatever, 14 or 15 games, could that be fatal to our World Cup ambitions? It could be, Matt. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it will. But uh, these tournaments are like a progression where each success builds on the one before and you build energy and uh, there's that X factor that is in team sports where there's belief. And a win tomorrow would really build this Irish team's belief that has been built incredibly since New Zealand and, and their exports last November against Australia and and South Africa and the Six Nations Grand Slam, all of that is built up. And and if they lost tomorrow, that would be a major step back. It wouldn't be fatal. It wouldn't be the end of the tournament. But yes, it would be a very a very much a blow. Because Duncan Casey would also change the dynamic, wouldn't it, of the Scotland game? Unless Tonga do us a massive favour on Sunday and beat Scotland. Absolutely. Yeah. Realistically, uh, it's going to be. Uh, one of South Africa, Scotland and Ireland to take that second spot. So uh, based on what we saw from Tonga last weekend, uh, they're unlikely to do us that favour, as you mentioned, Matt. Um, of course, there's a, there's a huge amount of pressure to this game, I think, for both sides. Uh, based on the last encounter in November 2022, we can see there's very, very little between them, a three-point victory for us that day. Um, I think the guys will be relishing the opportunity to have a crack at them, particularly with the way that they've decided to structure their bench and of course, there's there's always pressure in a World Cup game like this against a Tier One nation, and it would indeed change the dynamic if we do come out the wrong side of it. But um, I would still be very confident um, for us to beat the Scots in two weeks' time, so I wouldn't be too worried in that respect. I think if we do come out the wrong side of this, uh, it will be a setback to a certain extent. But ultimately, uh, we will have to play them again, most likely if we're going to go on and win this thing. So I think it will be um, just a great battle from a rugby point of view, anyway. And I think everyone's looking forward to seeing it. Okay, Liam Toland has joined us. So I'm going to ask you, Liam, about something Duncan just mentioned there in passing. The 7-1 split on the bench for South Africa, meaning of their eight replacements, seven are forwards so they can replace almost the entire pack, but just one replacement covering injuries or loss of form in the back. This has been held out as been something for us to fear, but could it backfire on South Africa? Yeah, well, I think the first thing I was asked during the week, Matt, was, you know, should Ireland follow like by like, which, of course, is crazy because Ireland became number one in the world by doing it their way. Um, And the Springboks are the world champions by doing it their way and they're very different styles. It's a very risky strategy particularly in in the in light of the kind of red card, yellow card and the, and the tackling. It's, it's a spring box through no fault of their own, enter a tackle, 
they could lose it back very early on. And then they're into bringing it forward on Schmidt, most likely, into the back line. I think against other sides, they might get away with it. But I think against this side, uh, this Irish side, whose unity of effort is probably the best I've seen uh, of all the sides, in fact, their ability to, to unlock space as a result of everybody knowing what the other person is doing. So it's a very risky strategy. I'm glad that uh, Andy Farrell poo-pooed it in his interview during the week. Um, and it's, it's madness, really. Duncan, Razi Erasmus loves to play mind games, but... Other times when perhaps he's a little bit too clever by half and that, you know, announcing the 7-1 split and doing so on Tuesday to try and up the pressure on Ireland may actually be something that will backfire on him. I can see your point, Matt, but I think based on his track record, he tends to get the mind games right, uh, be they the less controversial stuff or the more controversial stuff. Uh, I don't think it's going to backfire on them. I think it's actually... uh, strong strategy from them. I disagree with Liam in that respect. I think we can take it as both a compliment and an insult. I think we take it as a compliment in the sense that they have felt the need to go with this option because they don't see themselves beating the Irish side with two backs on the bench. But similarly, I take it as a little bit of an insult in the sense that they believe that they can just railroad us in the second half uh, by unleashing seven forwards at roughly the same time. Uh, I've been looking forward to seeing this at this World Cup since we saw it against New Zealand a few weeks back and I did earmark this Irish game as a game that they were going to roll the dice in. Obviously, as Liam said, it's a very risky strategy and you are playing with fire big time, but it's high risk, high reward ultimately and like having the option of, of whatever about the front row and the destruction that they can bring, even the absence of their preferred second choice hooker, having two enormous scrummaging second rows coming off the bench that are both well north of 120 kilos is just a huge amount for this Irish side to deal with. And while uh, I think we're capable of doing it, I think we'll be uh, like put to the pin of our collar in order to keep that onslaught at bay. So uh, I think it's a good move from the South Africans. I think um, it's adding another very spicy dynamic to this game. And uh, I, I'm very excited to see how it plays out. But I, I think we will struggle in that final quarter to contain the new energy uh, and the new aggression that's coming off that bench. Um, I'm not sure that we have the same equivalent in reserve, particularly when you're dealing with two less forwards to bring into that fray. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but um, it's an exciting gamble for everyone watching, for sure. Matt Williams, we have spoken about the 7-1 split previously here on The Last Word, around the time when South Africa first did it against New Zealand in the friendly at Twickenham before the World Cup. Apparently, almost by accident because of a late withdrawal and only having a forward available to join the bench. But what concerns do you have for the game as a result of this particular game, but for the game itself, if we end up in situations where we have effectively new packs coming in to play the last 30 minutes of a game? Yeah, 15 forwards selected out of the 24. Matt, look, I'll just tell you exactly what it is. It's a disgrace. It's it's a loophole. It's like a, a multinational finding a loophole in the tax law and paying no tax. They haven't broken the law because it is legal, but it is totally wrong for our game. And, and, and Matt, my real concern is for the safety levels down in the lower levels of the game. And AIL, Shoot Shield back in Australia, where seven forwards come off the bench against not a player not as fit and so on. I, I played through an era of spinal injury. And we, we were away from those days, and I am gravely concerned for the lower levels of the game for safety reasons. As far as this game goes, 
let's be clear, the blocks have not broken any laws. They, they have, have found this loophole and they've used it. But I believe it will, if they go on to win the World Cup, it will tarnish their World Cup because I, I have not met an older ex-player who has not said to me, and even today when I was coming across on the plane, uh, uh, someone from the north came across and played with my kids and tapped me on the shoulder and 7-1 is a disgrace. Get rid of it. It is not good for our game. The, the box are not doing anything illegal. The players are not guilty of anything wrong. They are just doing what they're told. Okay, but it's what about good. this match tomorrow evening? Will it have an impact on the outcome? Uh, it, it could have an impact either way, Matt. I think it's an insult to our uh, bench, and I, I, I really, you know, if, we, if I would really like to see uh, Henderson and Baird come on, and maybe even go into the second row together, that may be an option with Baird, and, and then uh, you you could see that uh, Todd Boone would go to the flank, and I, I, you know, we've got Sheen coming on, who's a great scrummager. Now let's remember, they've got Woody on the bench as a hooker. He is he is has played hooker, but he is predominantly a back rower. So if they want to bring on that squad at, at the 45-minute mark like they did against New Zealand, they are rolling the dice. And I would suspect that the Ireland will rain terror down on their back three, looking to put physical pressure on them. One of their back three gets injured, they are really, really in trouble. So, yes, I think it will have an impact on the game. It could backfire on Ireland, but I'm not so sure that that Irish pack is going to fold under that pressure. I think this is a much stronger Irish pack than uh, we are giving it credit for. Liam Toland, Duncan used the word their onslaught, which will be coming from South Africa, we anticipate, in the second half when they change the pack. But a lot of the narrative around this game has been about whether Ireland can withstand the South African power. But actually, should it be the other way around as to whether South Africa can withstand the ability of Ireland to do things, particularly with fast rock ball, that where the game is going to be won is not necessarily going to be in the scrums and the malls, but it's going to be at the breakdown in the rock. Uh, I think La Rochelle and England and other sides have taught us how to how to disrupt the Irish systems, the Irish tempo. But a word that kind of a concept that hasn't been used all week, which I think is is something that's going to happen with that twenty minutes to go, is the sense of emotional energy, and emotional intelligence. I think this Irish side, like every single person that's talking about their experience under Andy Farrell, is bursting with enthusiasm. They have a a lot of muscle memory in the bank. I think. What's really going to happen is South Africa will throw, throw the kitchen sink with that 10, 20, 30 minutes to go, and the Irish team aren't going to fade away. Like we saw Scotland being competitive and then ultimately fatiguing and fading away. I think this Irish team is made of stronger metal, and I think the emotional intelligence that they're going to bring is going to be far greater than anything South Africa have faced in recent weeks. Now, with that said, I was in the Viva for the autumn game, and after 15 minutes, I thought it was the most violent, physical game of rugby I've ever seen. It's a game I didn't ever play. I certainly didn't recognise the, the type of onslaught that South Africa brought to that fixture. How the Irish players survived to half time, I'll never know. But they did, and they figured it out, and they ultimately won. I'm hoping Ireland win. I think Ireland will win, but that's no guarantee, obviously. I think the 7-1 split is going to ask massive questions. I still think Ireland win, but that's no guarantee. I think the emotional energy, if Ireland don't fade away and 
the Springboks lose a side break. Before we even get into the breakdown and all the nuances about Lebac at 10 and the style of player he is defensively, offensively, and like we can go on and on about all the really interesting game parts of it. But for me, emotional intelligence will have a huge part to play in this fixture. And I think Ireland have buckets of it. Okay, but the point I raised with you, what is going to be more important? Is it going to be the scrums and the line-out malls? Or is it going to be how Ireland managed to recycle the ball quickly to attack the South African team? Well, Ireland can lose this game in two in many ways. One way is that uh, the Springboks create uh, forward momentum through scrummaging and getting penalties. Their kicking, their kickers aren't of a high enough standard, but they will kick goals. So you can't concede scrums. Hence, the starting front row, the starting props in particular, and Bealham being cleared to play is of an enormous importance in that. The breakdown is another way. England showed us they've been they've been abject throughout the tournament in many ways, but they've shown us how to disrupt the Irish systems at the breakdown. If you look at many of the things that, that the Springboks are doing, step to tight it's in the seven jersey pen as a six, will be flying up in defence. He'll be smashing guys, and they'll be triple teaming into the breakdown to disrupt as much free flow from Jameson Gibson Park as absolutely possible. How do Ireland... Avoid that. They can't, because the pitch is 70 metres wide. They can't entirely avoid uh, contact. But the nuances, and that's why I go back to the unity of effort, the cleverness of some of the tries Ireland has scored against Tonga, lesser opposition, involves five or six Irish players with a decision being executed in perfect tandem. I think that's going to be one of the real arts of what Ireland need to do to unlock those little um, areas again around the box to avoid breakdowns, in other words, Matt, to avoid as many breakdowns and rucks. Because this is South Africa. You don't want to be over the, over the deck, these guys come and bash it in. But there's loads of opportunity within the Irish and the 70 metres width to avoid as many breakdowns as they can through the nuances of how they play. Duncan Casey, that raises questions as to whether Ireland maybe adapt or change their game. There was even speculation that Conor Murray might be picked ahead of Jameson Gibson Park, which he hasn't been, to give the uh, the kicking game a little bit more prominence to test the back three of South Africa. Now, Jameson Gibson Park can box kick as well, but do we really want to be kicking away possession? Is that the best way to deal with the South African team or does it continue with the high-tempo game that we've been doing in recent times? I think the high-tempo game is ultimately the core part of the philosophy that Sandy Farrell and the rest of the coaches have implemented here. So I wouldn't anticipate any shift away from that or any moves to slow the game down. I think they will back themselves to continue doing what they have been doing up to a point. But like any game at any level in professional rugby, uh, you're going to adjust your strategy slightly depending on the opposition that you're facing into. So um, I don't see them, I, I, I can see them testing that back three a little bit more, but I can't see them doing an England on it and kicking the ball 45, 50 times in a game in order to do that and starving themselves uh, of possession as a result. Um, I think you can't avoid breakdowns, unfortunately. And um, they, the Springboks, as Liam have said, have multiple threats both in that starting 15 and off the bench as well that can cause a lot of havoc at that breakdown but as you alluded to Matt um, and as you've mentioned plenty of times so far the, the quick ball at the breakdown is something Ireland have been able to rely on massively against top quality opposition for you know basically two full years now so I can see them um, you know dealing with that threat very well we're going to lose balls on turnover that's inevitable against quality opposition but Ultimately, these are two very evenly matched teams and it's going to be very fine margins that win this. I can see like a three to five uh, point margin, whichever way this ends up going. 
And I don't see a huge shift in what they've been doing against this kind of opposition up to this point. Matt Williams, the referee. Every rugby international seems to be significantly influenced by the referee and, of course, by the assistant referees and those who are in the TMO video box, but particularly the referee. The fact that it's a Southern Hemisphere referee, what do you think Ben O'Keefe will be like when it comes to issues like the breakdown and the scrum? Ben O'Keefe's probably the most preferred referee in the world at the moment by world rugby. So, in other words, they're rating him very highly. Now, I think Ben has really improved over the last few years. He got into some great controversy when he refereed South Africa in the Lions series. One thing you're going to find from Ben O'Keefe, he's not intimidated by anyone. So he's not going to, he's not going to give in to the South Africans or the pressure from Rassi Erasmus. Uh, he refereed the final of the Super Rugby between... Uh, Waikato and Canterbury in Waikato and he penalised Waikato very, very hard to cheat and the crowd were at him but he didn't, he just did it as he saw it like all the modern referees they don't let games flow if there's a a technical infringement they all blow it because that's how they're marked by their assessors if they miss something they're marked down so he will be very technical but he'll be fair the thing that I want to see from um, O'Keefe is that scrum time? Is it to, to you know the, the, this whole thing about what Africa are bringing on their pack to make sure that they're not pushing before the ball comes in, so that it's an even contest, and the, and the other parties the contest in the air. Because I, I actually I'm a little little disagree a little bit with the with the boys there. I think during the game Ireland are going to punch smart. They're going to hit midfield, come back, hit midfield, come back. That's exactly what they did at the Aviva. They played the short side. Of course, if you go the short side, it stops the South African rushing side. And who's down the short side in defence? Faf the court, the smallest guy in the field. So they'll go midfield and come back, and then they'll kick, and they'll want a contest in the air. So as long as Mr. Referee O'Keefe is, is good at the breakdown, keeps the scrums as, as legal as they can, and then allows that, that contest in the air because we will have Ireland will have a significant height advantage over the two very very small but very very quick South African wingers. I think he, he is uh, as good a referee as we will get for such a tight contest. I need to take a break. I want to come back and get your match predictions from all three of you and talk about the other big games of the weekend at this Rugby World Cup after we've had this break. We've got Matt Williams, Duncan Casey and Liam Toland with us. And before we talk about the rest of the weekend's World Cup, let's focus on our predictions for the big game between Ireland and the reigning world champions, South Africa. And Liam Toland, is this South African team as good as the team that won the World Cup four years ago? I think uh, in answering that, I'd look at the South African uh, starting 10, Lebok, uh, a hugely talented, very fast, quick player. I think that that could be turned into weakness by Ireland. I think his game allows Ireland to be able to, to be able to exploit that. There's other areas. We've mentioned the seven plus one split. This is a monster side. I think they're more physically dominant than they were four years ago. I was at the World Cup four years ago and I was really disappointed in the type of rugby they were playing. Their, their, their club systems are playing some entertaining rugby. But look what Munster did uh, when they played against Lebok. Lebok, I thought, was very, very poor. I was, I was expecting much better from it in, in, the, in the playoffs. That all said, they're, they're a hugely challenging side, um, to answer your question. But there's enough weaknesses in how they play their game to afford Ireland 
ample opportunity to win this match. In talking Casey, the fact that we're now playing against these South African players in the URC and in the Champions Cup on a regular basis, and that Munster went down to win the URC against the Stormers back in May, will that perhaps give the Irish team, as well as the emotional intelligence that Liam has been talking about, a confidence that they've matched up to these guys on many occasions in the past? Absolutely, and I wouldn't focus on the club uh, element of that. I think that Ireland know that they're capable of being this South African national side. I think the South African clubs have offered a huge amount to the URC, but um, uh, which is a good thing, I guess. The talent, the Springbok talent, is scattered relatively evenly across those teams. Um, So while it's you know a big advantage, obviously that Irish teams have had the opportunity to play against these guys at that level. I think it's a different kettle of fish entirely when you're talking about that combined force of all of those players at test level and particularly at a World Cup as well. Uh, So I don't think necessarily that the recent victory at the URC or that exposure to the teams will have changed their outlook a whole pile. I think that they believe in the quality that they have and they believe that they're more than capable of beating this side. So while it's been a useful addition um, for the competition as a whole and for the South African clubs themselves, which is something uh, for, to chat about another day, um, I'm not sure it will have a huge impact on how they will approach this game. OK, and Matt Williams, there was only one possible selection change that might have been made and that wasn't made. And that was a lot of talk about Joe McCarthy being used either from the start are off the bench in the second half. Instead, Ian Henderson is there covering the second row, but as you alluded to earlier as well, Ryan Baird is there as well, could be used in the second row or could be used at six. Do you think, has Andy Farrell made all his selection calls correctly? Very uh, interesting comments coming from Paul O'Connell during the week where he was just saying to the guys, don't, don't get too overlord with the week, don't do too much, don't play the game in your head. Trust what we've done in the past. Trust your training. Trust the preparation. Trust the way we've come through the last two years. And how is that expressed to the players? Farrell has trusted his tried and true 23. Pretty much unless he's forced into changes. If you look at that starting 15, it's almost man for man unless there's been an injury to Furlong and, and, and one or two of, at Hooker as well with Kelleher. It's almost a team that's, that has played since the first test in New Zealand uh, 18 months ago, 15 months ago. Andy Farrell is really trusting this team and that's the message it's putting out and, and I think that aligns with Liam's comments about the, the selection of of uh, of the team that they've got this intelligence, this belief, this momentum that they know that they can do and they've got faith in their system. And I would too. I, I, it's really funny, man. I was just thinking, I used to come on the show during the night, 2019 World Cup, everyone's saying, Ireland's going to win, Ireland's going to win. I'm going, no, they're not. They can't win. <laughs> they just can't. And I'm listening to everyone going, geez, we're going to, going to get beat. We're going to get beat. I think we're actually going to win. And we've beaten South Africa. We've beaten New Zealand. We've beaten Australia. We've beaten France. Why won't they beat it? They try to trust what they do and it, it will work. And here's the, here's the facts, Matt. Here's the facts. This is where I believe it's going to come down to. Australia beat uh, South Africa in um, Adelaide last year. New Zealand beat them this year and Ireland beat them in November last year. All three have two things in common. One... They got off to a fast start. They scored points, and that put scoreboard pressure on the South Africans. The South Africans are great leaders on the scoreboard. They hate chasing again. Okay, listen, we're nearly out of time. We've had so much talk on this. We hope that Ireland will prevail. But I briefly want to touch on one other game this weekend that's going to be of enormous interest Sunday evening. And briefly, Matt, do you expect your Australia to go out? 
Oh, Matt. Everyone's been on the rosary beads this week. It's, uh, I think Australia are really on the ropes. They picked Ben Donaldson at 10. I've seen Benny play since he was a young, young boy, highly talented fellow. Hardly played any international ten rugby, and here we are in one of the biggest games in the in the in the history of rugby in, in Australia. And he's been thrown in. No Will Skelton, and they've lost last week with their, with their tails right down. This is going to be a battle. I I, I want them to win. I hope they win because Australian rugby needs it. But Wales have got a little bit more momentum than they have. Uh, I, I think we're seeing two countries really at the low point okay. of their cycles. But but I think Australia can, might be able to get there. Duncan, do you think is Warren Gatland also a cleverer guy for a game like this than Eddie Jones? I think they're both clever guys. I think they're both under the pump, obviously. Wales, uh, if you look at this head-to-head battle, obviously in the ascendancy um, based on the last couple of weeks, even though they stuttered their way to that. Uh, I would back Wales to win this marginally. I think obviously, uh, it's you know it's, I don't think I, I don't think anyone finds it satisfying as a neutral to watch two great rugby countries struggling the way that they have done in the last little while. And I think it will be a good contest, but I think Wales will come out on top. And unfortunately, Australia will be heading home in the near future. And Liam Toland, briefly, what do you expect? Well, looking at Australia, looked like a team that they've either too much knowledge or too little, but they just are trapped in their brains, and they they really struggled. I really struggled to, to watch them against Fiji and understand what they're trying to do because I don't think they know. Whereas the Warren Gatlin game is much simpler. The Wales team are, are still in the second tier, the Six Nations, but I think they'll be more comfortable with what they're doing and they'll come out. Liam Tolan, Duncan Casey, Matt Williams, thank you all. The last word on sport on Today FM with Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.com. Thank you.